Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Yep, we're here again. Glad to have you with us. And uh, it's been an especially quiet week, really, on the table. But uh, we're finally getting there. I feel like the start of the season is just about starting. We're coming up to that bit now where it's pretty much jam-packed all the way till Christmas or near enough. There's only the odd day off once we start on Monday. So the season really is about to start. and We're very excited for it. We are. It's been, it's been quite bitty, let's be mm. clear. We had a very long, obviously, championship league. That was, you know, nice to keep us company. But yeah. But then, you know, as I said many times, summer is the least of the snooker months in the, of the four seasons. So we kind of expect that. But yeah, you're right, Phil. It really feels like we're getting into it now. And we had the first bona fide regular knockout tournament of the season coming up, haven't we? The European Masters in Germany. And we'll look ahead to that in this episode. Before that, of course, we have British Open qualifiers. And, uh, well, I, ha- I hesitate to say it a bit, Phil, but I have noticed the evenings starting to draw in a little bit. Now, it's quite a, a poignant uh, feeling in a way, because that does mean the end of summer. But, of course, in this part of the world, here in the UK, Europe, the Northern Hemisphere, that does mean a lot more snooker. So we're, we're heading towards that time now. And, uh, well, qualifiers first. And I think you're going to have a look at them predominantly for us. You know, a whole host of matches. We, we'll have eyes all over the place. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, sort of, it's Monday to Saturday, isn't it, in Leicester, which seems to be the new, uh, predominantly the new home of qualifiers at the morning side. Um, they're all on Discovery Plus. That's where you can watch them. And there's some there's some standout things in there. I mean, straight off a of Monday, um, still creating interest, Stephen Hendry against Mohamed Asif and that. I mean, I, still, I wouldn't put my house on him actually playing that match, to be honest, uh, because he's been he's been in China until very very recently. Um, uh, I mean, he's he's still on in the draw, so I, I assume he will play. But um, um, he's he's not going to have prepared brilliantly on his way back from China. I think played Mohammed Asif, um, who hasn't had many wins on tour after coming through uh, Asian Q School last year. But that'll be an interesting test for for Hendry. Um, and yeah, the Monday is a good one, actually. Another, another, it's a couple more veterans here. Alfie Burden against Ken Doherty. Uh, and I have looked this up, uh, Nick. What, what, when do you think they first played, Alfie and Ken? Do you know what? I think it was probably about 1999. <laughs> have you looked that up? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, I knew I, I wouldn't have been able to sleep tonight. I, I love <laughs> <laughs> I got a really bad guess last time, and I, oh, the, the warped, you know, the, the bit naughty part of me thought oh, I should just do it and just pretend I didn't know. But no, I did know. I looked it up. Yeah, ninety nine. <laughs> the I'm British not... Open in ninety nine. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, like, I even looked up. I thought sometimes I like to sort of, um, I mean, I was, you know, <laughs> that neither of those two won it. So 
someone looks like to look at the latter stages so you can put it in context. It was actually a Hendry Ebden final. So I mean, nice. obviously, yeah, Hendry's still a pro, and yeah, Ebden wasn't not not that long ago, but yeah, it was uh, Hendry won the tournament. But yeah, I, I saw that, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they might know each other's game by now. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah, they've been around a while, though. So uh, <laughs> it's an interesting one. I mean, um, Ken's got a win; he, he'll be at the European Masters. Um, Alfie sort of got a new le- uh, lease life a bit after the uh, run at the seniors. He seems to be playing a bit better, so yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, and sort of the other end of the scale. Um, Louis Heathcote against Ben Mertens, I thought it was a nice one that Monday. Uh, a couple of young guns there. They played the World Championship last year, and Heathcote won 6-5, so that'll be interesting. Um, what we've got Tuesday, um, do enjoy a Northern Snooker Centre derby, and it's the second, <laughs> one, the second one between these two this year already, Liam Pullen, you on tour against Ollie Lines. Uh, they played the Champs League and drew, so uh, um, I actually spoke to Liam after that, and he said he hated, not hated, but... He'd rather not play his pals from the Northern. Um, but I like it. it gives a bit of a different edge to it, doesn't it? Um, I'm rattling through a few of these. There's obviously a lot more than this, but these are the ones that caught my eye. Wednesday, um, the new pro from China, Liu Hongyu, has really impressed us so far. Uh, did well at the Championship League and won his European Masters qualifier. He's playing Bipat, the Women's World Champion, so that'd be interesting. Um, and this is a good, ex- good excuse to say thanks for Chris for coming on last week because we thought it was excellent. Didn't we, Chris Wakelin? Thought he was a brilliant guest. Yeah, he was absolutely superb, wasn't he? Yeah, Chris has got Andrew Padgett, isn't he, in his qualifiers. Mm. And I mean, cracking, cracking guest. He really was. He was terrific, good value. Listen again, I mean, just he was so funny, wasn't he, as well? Some of the stories and, you know, it, it comes to what we said before, you kind of wish play as well. He's one of those that you just can't, can't help but wish him well. Such mm. a nice chap. And yeah, I mean, you do sort of think, best years must be to come now. Because there are times you see him, you thought, God, he's got the beating of anybody, you know. And with that confidence, and if I say, oh, should it be? Of course it should be that big if you win a tournament. Of course it should give you all the confidence, but it really does. Even if it's the shootout, the fact that you've been on that pedestal, you've gone all the way. And I like the way he called them seven deciders, by the way. Yeah, that was good, yeah. Probably obvious, but the way you sort of said it, yeah. You know, you, you have to hit the ground running in every single you know, matching that tournament and to perform like he did towards the end. And again, I know we said it at the time, wasn't it interesting about him seeing the other players for the draw for the semi-finals yes, yeah. and how nervous they were. Do you know what it reminded It reminded me of a lot of conversations I've had with snooker players, actually. It might be a bit of a weird thing to remind me of, but the interview I do with the champion for the World Championship programme, the year after Mark Selby beat John Higgins in the final, Mark said to me, that he came down on the Monday morning, late morning, I think, went in the practice room, saw John Higgins. And he said, John's body language was just, I'm losing this. Because it was 10-4, went to 10-7. And I just thought it was fascinating. I mean, you, you have to go back into detail, looking in the, all the stuff I wrote. But Mark was just like bouncing around. And he, he got extra energy from seeing John. John seeing mm. the, And it's the nuance of that behind-the-scenes stuff. And, you know, as Chris was telling us, you know, these guys don't really want it enough and I want it, you know, and, and he really grabbed it by the horns. And listen, it's quite right. As he said, it's quite right. They were nervous. You know, God knows what the last time Dominic was in a stage like that and the other guys as well, such big matches for them. But yeah, to, to this, I love the psychology. I mean, mm-hmm. I love the psychology of most sports, but in this sport, it's so singular and so much is in the sort of body language and the way players are, are looking and, 
you know, it's again tied in with what Fergal said to us when he joined us on here about seeing players in was it qualifying or Q school? One or two school. Yeah. Q school. And so well, you probably won't get through and you probably won't get through. I don't think you'll yeah. get through. And it's funny, isn't it? Because you can just see it. Well, we can't. But those guys at the top level in snooker, they can see those little, almost imperceptible things that can make a difference. Yeah, and the, the margins are so fine um, at the highest level. And I don't just mean like the very, very elite of the pros, like all pros. Like They can almost all do near enough the same as each other, most of them anyway. Um, and it's just tiny little fractions of confidence and how good you're feeling. Um and yeah, that was a great example from Chris there that he just thought because it was weird because he'd said before that previous tournaments um, he'd got to the semi or whatever, and just, as soon as he thought about winning, that's when it went downhill. Whereas that point, it was like, oh, I'm definitely going to win now, and he did. So there's no right or wrong way to go about things, but that was very interesting. Yeah, that stuck out in my mind as that, as well. Um, so yeah, he's looking to carry on his great start to season against Andrew Padgett on Wednesday. Um, we always give the sheriff a shout out on him. Anyway, he's got an interesting one against Aaron Hill. Um, I love the sort of uh, old, old, the veteran against the youngster there. Um, Hamilton's such a great test for, well, most players really, but especially the youngsters because he's like the grizzled vet, isn't he? But also he can score so heavily as well. Um, they played once before and Hamilton's won it, so he'll be looking to get his first win against uh, the old stager there, if I can call him that. I hope that's not rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell, tell, tell you what is rude for me. Bit of rudeness coming up, I think. Hopefully out of character, to some extent, anyway. Um, I was thinking, you know that old thing you say, well, you probably won't get as much as I do, but you think, oh, God, I'm old enough to be his, his or her father. He's old enough to be his bloody grandfather, let alone father. <laughs> what a difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it must be 30 years between them, isn't it? He's, I think Anthony is 52, isn't he? Is Aaron 20 now, 21, something like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm being a bit over the top, but yeah, but not yeah, no, not far off though. Yeah, but you could just about be, uh, but yeah, no, and, and you could learn. A lot. I'm sure you could learn a lot, but that'd be an interesting one. Uh, Thursday, we've got Hussein Vafai against Andy Lee, Dave Gilbert against Ryan Thomason. So some big names there. Uh, Friday, there was a nice piece. This made me think of this. There was a nice piece on World Snooker with Sanderson Lamb, who's had a good start to the season. Real nice guy, Sanderson. He's he's had some good wins so far. And he feels like he's found something. It's, it's, he said, I think he said it's the first time in his career he feels like he's ready to go up the next level. Um, and it'll be a test for him on Friday against Joe Perry. Um, so that'll be an interesting to, one to watch. And then Saturday, Matt Selt against Liam Highfield caught my eye for a first rounder. It's a high quality game, that, isn't it? I mean, uh, <laughs> neither will be pleased with that. And then Jimmy White against Stephen Maguire. Uh, I don't know if you've looked this one up, but I looked at their first game. Tell me if you've cheated already on this. I haven't cheated on this. I haven't cheated on this. Uh, that I remember anyway. <laughs> no, I haven't got it down there, put it that way. Yeah. So um, I, I don't think I did. And Maguire and White. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go as close as I can to try and not get it wrong after I was so far out last year and go for around the time he won the UK. So I'm going to go Maguire. I mean, I'm going to go for 05. Uh, you're a little way out. It's 2000. Oh. Early oh. on in... I think Maguire must have turned pro in 99, I think. Yeah. Um, so early on. And they played quite a lot. And then Jimmy, of course, knocked Stephen out of the UK last year uh, on his run through the qualifiers. So, um, yeah, that's a tasty little first rounder there as well. That's on Saturday evening, I think. Um, so they're the ones that stood out to me. There's obviously a lot of other ones in there. 
Uh, I don't know if you've got any more written down uh, that caught your eye. I don't think so. I'm reeling from being five years out there, but uh, <laughs> while I get my composure together, um, I, 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 did you say Tetro? I should have been listening. Shouldn't I? I was mostly. Um, <laughs> tep, 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 you, did you say Tetro on New against Rianne? I didn't. No, there, then well, there's that, another one. Yeah, I like that because I mean I think Tetro is always an interesting one anyway. For, mm. You know because I think he, he, well, he say blows hot and cold is the understatement of the century. Could be could be mercurial and brilliant. Could just be erratic and you know off the pace. You never quite know with him. Uh, Ricky Warden Zusa took yeah, my nice, eye. Yeah. Zeus Zeus won their their first meeting. I looked up at the Indian Open in 2017, but Warden's won their three since. But that that could well be worth a watch. And I think that's pretty much yeah. The few I scribbled down, I think you covered the rest. Yeah, I was interested. I think so. Highfield's a really nice one. I only met once before, nearly a decade ago, 2014. World Open. It's sort of funny, isn't it? Some players mm. just look across each other. It's sort of odd that. But yeah, no, they're the main ones. And yeah, Henry playing snooker. <laughs> this is just incredible. I mean, I believe it. We'll, we'll be rubbing our eyes, Phil. I'll, be, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, I think I saw him um, on his Instagram only a day or two ago, um, travelling back from China. Um, he seemed to have a lovely time there. And he was playing some snooker over there as well, to be fair. Um, so hopefully he'll be um, ready to go. Um, and, you know, Mohamed Asif, actually, I've seen him a couple of times. He just look all right, but um, he hasn't had loads of wins at all. So, you know, that's the kind of game that if Stephen's got any sort of ambitions of doing much at all while he's playing on the tour, that he should be looking to do well in. Um, so we'll see how he goes. Hopefully he'll be playing. Um, and, yeah, that's the Monday afternoon. So, yeah, there's there's plenty to keep us interested there. At least there's some something to watch. It's all on Discovery Plus, so we'll be tuning in, won't we? We will. And, I mean, the last set of qualifiers we just had were excellent. So I have to go some mm. to, to, to to beat those, actually, this lot. But, yeah, there's loads of matches. So I, I, I kind of like that. I often say that about home nations. There's very little time to... You know, we don't really get bored anyway watching snooker. But you know what I mean? There's, there's no sort of downtime. It's match after match, day after day. So many stories. I know you'll be on top of them all, Phil, um, you know, on your social media. And, you know, yeah, looking forward to it, really. I mean, the British Open itself, when it comes in late September into October, will be terrific. And obviously some matches are held over. And we know they're not very long matches, but it, it's got that cachet as well. The British Open, it's got that name. I mean, it's a pretty good name anyway, but the fact it's got that history going back to the old days when it was first on ITV in the 80s, there's something about it. And actually, yeah, I think you said a couple of times ago, we've had two since it came back, and I couldn't believe that really. There's so much has happened in the tournament, it seems like. I thought yeah. we had about four, you know. It's <laughs> like, you know, but I think the first one was so, so... The first one had that Rianne and Mark Allen situation, didn't it? Yeah. Which, which took over massively early on. The fact it was the matches were so short. The fact it was on in summer on ITV was really unusual, and had a really brilliant winner in Mark Williams. That that seemed like two tournaments. You know what I mean? Yeah. So much seemed to happen, and of course last year was brilliant as well. I keep thinking I was there, but I was actually at the doubles. But uh, I, so maybe I was at the same venue just before. But a lot of people I remember combined the two, and that was great. There's one four seven, wasn't it? And uh, Selby got there was. A, a brilliant final, such a good story with Ryan mm. Day winning. It's a really good tournament so far. So, yeah, good set of qualifiers. And, you know, it feels like that's, I would say that's the starter and a nice, tasty starter, Phil, before we head into the sort of main course 
which is the the, the week after, which is the European Masters. So perhaps we'll move on to that now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a tournament, if you actually trace the lineage back, that's got quite a, a long history back to the uh, European Open days. But since 2016, we've known it as the European Masters, and it's been very nomadic, which I think gives it an element of charm, actually, staged in various cities uh, across Europe. Uh, this time it's in Nuremberg, Phil, uh, the second largest city in Bavaria, uh, around 100 miles from Munich. Someone's been on Wiki. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Rattler man, Phil. I think you know that. So I'll have a look at train times. The quickest I could see was one hour, two minutes between the cities. So I was thinking people wanted to go there, maybe quite a nice way to do it, fly to Munich, especially if you're going from the UK, going from there to Nuremberg. I know some fans will do that, maybe not many, but plenty will. But of course, for our European fans, especially those in Germany, but for the neighbouring countries as well, this is a great chance to see a, a tournament. It's being staged at the Halley and Tilly Park, or for sponsorship reasons, it's more common name, the Kia Metropole Arena. It's actually only a couple of years Oh, actually, it looks really nice, the arena. I've seen pictures of it. And it's normally best known sporting-wise for hosting games for the Nuremberg Falcons basketball team. But it's all about snooker there next week. So we look forward to the tournament very much. I've had a look at the roll call again to remind me. It's all a bit... A kind of tale of two different situations, really, where very likely winners, Judd in 16 and 17, uh... Then Jimmy Robertson, so we all sort of turn up there in many ways. Neil Robertson and Mark Selby, two of the game's superstars. Then Fang Zhengji, one of the great upsets, really. It was Jordan Brown and then Fan the year after, wasn't it? Absolutely, in terms of winning tournaments. Mm. And just such a surprise. And then Kyra Wilson last year, I think we both said this, that I think partly maybe for me because I was in Iceland during the final, but also it wasn't that great a final. I kept sort of forgetting that Kyron won this. And I think because August is a funny time of year. And I think we were saying, you know, Kyron got into a lot of those big ITV tournaments and was generally really high on the sort of one-year list. And we're thinking, well, kind of why is that? I mean, I know he's pretty consistent, but of course he did win this. It was a mm-hmm. really big win for him early in the season. And I think he was with us not so long ago before that, was he? And talking about how he'd, uh, you know, thrown the shackles on a bit and had a bit of a new attitude about the game. And, well, it didn't really pay off after that win, you know, but he certainly did soon after with a, with a, with a fine victory. So, yeah, we're all sort of interesting sort of roll call of winners, but they all want to get their hands on this one. They feel all the, all the big hitters, you know, because to get your season off to a start in a knockout sense will just give you so much confidence going into the autumn. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's 80 grand for the winner. And all the players now, well, all, all the big players is their aim at the start just to get into the Grand Prix and then the following two, I think. Um, so, like you said, stick eighty grand on your tally at the start of the season. You're in near enough everything. Um, so it's it's very very handy if you can do that early on. And that's exactly what Kyra did. And it, yeah, last year I can't remember the exact bet. So this now this season it'll roll on. There's plenty going on afterwards, but I feel like it was a bit earlier, or there was definitely a gap after it. So it sort of happened, and then it you know it all went quiet again. And it came back, so it felt very just set away on its own. Um, so hopefully it won't be like that um, this year. But yeah, no, it's 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 a big event. Eight grand, uh, sort of similar to the home nations, isn't it? Um, very very much uh, worth winning and um, a tough field though. I mean, we we haven't mentioned the the games that will be held over to there, uh, but all the, the sort of the top eight have been uh, have not played yet. Um, 
and there's some big names that big names that you don't always see traveling to Germany. Uh, most notably, Mr. Ronnie O'Sullivan, who doesn't always attend the European tournaments, does he? But um, he's due to play Andy Hicks there, so uh, yeah, that that always adds a bit more spice when he's involved, doesn't it? I think about our men, it certainly does. Yeah, I, I remember now because of the Iceland trip. It was almost exactly the same time, but you're right. There was a big gap. That was part of it. It was mm. like about six, seven weeks off. In fact, I think there was nothing serious between this and the doubles, actually. I know various people went to play pool, didn't they? And it was all even more bitty than it is now. But you're right, this year feels different because as we go into September, starting with Shanghai, it's events thick and fast. So this won't stand out in that sense this year. But yeah, you're right. Loads of big names, they hold over matches. And just generally some you know, excellent, uh, you know, encounters to look forward to as the tournament begins and we look at first next Tuesday morning at 10 a.m UK time 11 in, in Central Europe and in Germany and Kyron Wilson up against Dean Young for one of the uh, held over matches Kyron as we say the champion he, he's beaten Dean Young in their two previous meetings both interestingly in those kind of short-term tournaments that fill gaps the WST Pro Series in, in 2021 and the Classic earlier this year. And then, right, I'm building up to it, Phil. <laughs> I'm building up to the name. I don't mean Mark Selby. I'm talking about Mark Selby's opponent. Let me try and get it as well as I can. Okay. it's I haven't really practised enough. I've done it about twice. But, but probably have done it about half a dozen times. It's Mark Selby against Manasawin Fetmalulkol. I didn't get that right. I want to do it better than that. I'm, I'm going to do him a bit more justice. It's Manasawin Fetmalaikal. That's more what it is, I think. Sounds and good to me. And he's the tyre player, player who came through the Asia Oceania Q School to win a place on tour. Now, Phil, do you know his nickname? I You're do, the actually, sort of man yeah. That might, yeah, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. And it's much easier to say as well, thankfully. <laughs> we can't really say Mark Selby against Quid, though. It just feels a bit... <laughs> Sort of in, not insulting, but a bit, yeah, not, not perhaps not as as elegant as it could be. Well, yeah, his he explains that about the nickname. My father thought that because it is a slang for a pound, it might be lucky and bring some fortune. And you know what, Phil? I was thinking if I went down the same route, my nickname would have to be Shilling. <laughs> that is the currency that I deal with a lot more. But we look forward to that. Selby, obviously, a big favourite there. Um. As for the round two matches next Tuesday morning, well, Siege right here against Ken Doherty. Another age gap one, Phil, just the 32 years there. <laughs> uh, all, all eyes on C this season, of course, after his thrilling run uh, to the World Semi-Finals in the spring. Dominic Dale, Dwayne Jones, all Welsh match there. They played in World Championship qualifying last year, actually. Dale winning 6-3. Uh, Andrew Higgins has got Xiao Yu Long. And I noticed their last match was in the English Open in the autumn of 2020. But Zhao winning on that occasion, 4-0. And then John Higgins, uh, of course, uh, who memorably joined us on this podcast a month ago, up against Dylan Emery. And they played at the Turkish Masters last year, actually. Higgins winning uh, 5-2. We've also got Lou Haushan against Elliot Slesser. That will be well worth a watch. So a cracking selection there, Phil. I mean, you know, hard to pick out a highlight. There's, There's, frankly... So many matches there that you really want to keep an eye on. Oh, 100%, yeah. Um, there's a nice mix of this top eight uh, being over there. But 
uh, held over to play there. But they had lo- had a lot of big names coming through qualifying as well. Notably, John Higgins was one. Mark Williams was another. Um, so yeah, it, yeah, it feels it feels like uh, the first real proper uh, no, no miss tournament, isn't it? You know, there's no there's no bad games there, are there? They really aren't. I'm, I'm, I'm eating the opal fruits here um, in between while you're talking, <laughs> which reminds me of that quite bad moment for me. Was it the one just gone or the one before? I popped out for, for some opal fruits at the Crucible in a really tense moment. I thought I had to break the tension for myself with nobody else. And you, and I think you said you don't remember made to make your mouth water, which is quite heartbreaking. Um, yeah, it just, it just, I, I do remember them being opal fruits. I remember them turning to Starburst. Yeah. But the... I mean, I will have, I probably will have heard it, but it doesn't, it doesn't ring the loudest bell in my head. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Let's move on from Opal Fruits to the, the snooker again. The next Tuesday <laughs> afternoon, Phil, the held over matches. Uh, Judd Trump's got Mohammed Ibrahim and Mark Allen's got Anton Kazakov. And then a match that I just think is, you know, so appealing Luca Purcell against Jackson Page. What cracking watch that could be. Uh, Page actually beat Purcell, I don't remember it actually, at this tournament in 2020. Uh, always fascinating to see how a first-time world champion fares in the season after. And which, I think it was Brendan Cooper that joined us and said that, it, it, it reminded us recently, of course the author of that smashing new book on the game, he was saying it's so often a struggle, and it really is. I mean, the, the history of the game is, is and this sport is littered with first-time champions that really, really do very little in, in the season after. I, I, I see Luca doing a bit better than that. I think that he's got a character that I can see him doing okay, mm-hmm. but it will be interesting for sure. And then in round two, we got Joe Perry, Ross Muir in the afternoon session. Well, Muir will not have happy memories of their only previous meeting. Perry winning 10-1 in World Championship qualifying in 2018. Chris Wakelin, the aforementioned, uh, who was on this podcast last week, up against Aaron Hill, and uh, well, Wakeland had a, a win over Hilling, well qualified this year actually, in a thumping one. We got Ben Wollaston against Zuzi and Tom Ford against Oliver Brown. So yeah, you know, Luca is obviously going to get so much attraction in these opening months of the season. Phil, it'll be great to see him because you know he's a he's a you know a world champion. That's such a a status, isn't it, for anybody in this sport? And uh, well, who knows how he'll do? I think he'll do okay. Well, how do you feel? Yeah, well, I've been following his his world tour um, uh, over the summer, which hasn't seemed to involve much snooker, but, you know, <laughs> fair play. He looks like he's having the best time ever. Um, he was in Canada when I saw last looked. I think that was earlier today. Um, and he's just having the best time, yeah, him and his girlfriend travelling the world. And uh, I think spending an awful lot of that prize money he picked up in Sheffield, but why not? Enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, uh, he's still got a few days before that game against Jackson in Germany, so we'll hopefully have got a little bit of practice in, but you know, if the World Championship proved anything, he doesn't need practice, so um, it'll be a real test of his natural ability and his, and you know, the immense confidence he will have picked up at the Crucible by winning the World Championship um, but I don't think he's going to be at his absolute sharpest um, let's say that after his uh, extended holiday, but you know, no one should judge him for that he's having the time of his life Um and yeah, there's some there's some nice ones there you mentioned, isn't there? Yeah, uh, Shushi's a, a, re- a really good young player. I'm sure that's the one that uh, that's the player that uh, Mark Williams picked out as saying if he wanted to sort of 
mentor a young player that he doesn't normally work, that he hasn't worked with already. Obviously, he works with Jackson Page, Liam Davis, but um, he, he picked out a young Chinese player. It was Yushu. He really liked the look of uh, talent-wise. So yeah, he, he's one that might just burst through in the in the in the coming weeks and months because uh, he's got a, got a bit about him. Let's say. Most certainly, and uh, yeah, I was just thinking we'd do the same with. If we won the world championship, wouldn't we? We're not going to win the world championship. I think it's unlikely. It's unlikely now. Likely, yeah. it's, if we if we did, I would definitely do a Luca. No question about it. And I'd probably come back in about yeah, about what we nearly yeah, about August September. I think I'd go on just yeah, three months doing what I want, travelling around, and uh, yeah, you say good luck to him. But do you know what? Just to get serious for a moment, I do remember there were, was it Stuart Bingham that said that. He wished he'd listened to Parrot more. Certainly true, maybe a couple of others have actually said in the past they wish they had taken some more time off. Obviously, there's a balance with everything, mm. but they felt like they, they stuck around too much and got involved with too much of the other stuff maybe associated with being champion, and maybe they needed some time to clear their head and go away. So it must be an interesting decision, eh, when you he, when he won something and done something that big. I mean, we I know we're all having a good old laugh at what Luke is doing, but who's to say... He's actually not doing the right thing. Mm. Just completely having that total break, having a great time. And, you know, he'll get back into it with kind of, the, you know, that perspective of thinking I've done something so big and then had a great party. You know, it might end up being good for him. It, it, it's difficult to know, but I know I've had that conversation with players that have won it before. And they'll say they haven't quite got those weeks and months after right, which must be so hard because, frankly, you can't teach it. That you know, the first time winners are literally going into it blind, aren't they? Yeah, and it's each to their own as well. So you can talk to previous first time winners and stuff, but it's how your personality works. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's I've not spoken to him about it, but just by judging on social media, which you know isn't always the best gauge because you just get given the best looking uh, uh, photos and stuff, so everything looks great. But it does look like he's having a sensational time, um, and you should, you know, it should be. Yeah, there's the reward of getting the trophy, being the world champion, the money. But you should enjoy it as much as possible as well, because that's what makes you hungry to win it again. And uh, yeah, I suppose if people do hang around and do loads of press and like get on the TV and stuff loads as much as they can, and it's like that's that's all very nice, but that's work. You know, that is all, uh, and that could actually get drain you eventually. You might not end up enjoying it, and that might eventually take the edge off. Whereas there's no question that Luca's definitely making the most of it enjoyment-wise. So, yeah, I mean, as I say, he's not going to come back and be the sharpest ever, but he said he didn't practice the World Championship. So he, he's a law unto himself. Um, I wouldn't like to predict anything he'll do, um, but I will definitely be watching when he plays Jackson Page on on that Tuesday in Nuremberg because um, even even last season when we would not have been expecting to be talking about Luca Brussel as a world champion, Brussel against Page would be a nice-looking match anyway. And uh, certainly is now. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Real cracker to look forward to. So next Tuesday this is a brilliant day, full stop, actually. Into the evening then, held over match. Sean Murphy against Graham Dot. I think you were mentioning one of our recent episodes that Sean's like, bloody hell, I don't want to get Graham Dot first. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> and then, have you looked it up? No, I haven't looked this up now. Their first meeting. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, he's in that bunch of turning pro 99 as well. So I'll go 2001. 
2005. So it was Ooh, a, okay. it, it's a bit, it's surprising they didn't play earlier than that, actually. Mm. It's, it is quite surprising. And uh, we look forward to, to that one. Yeah, obviously two, two former world champions and players that need no introduction. Well, I think Roddy O'Sullivan and Andy Hicks are one of those I got wrong last time. And know for a fact that, that that is actually now the first meeting of the 1992 UK Championship. So John Major had just lost a general election against Neil Kinnock's Labour Party when those two first met. I mean, heavens above, Phil. We're not talking five, ten minutes ago here. There's a lower, lower history between those two. Mm. And uh, Andy Hicks has had a bit of a sort of an ASOS lately, hasn't he? He's been playing some nice stuff, actually. So we look forward to seeing how he gets on. Bonnie, obviously, a big favourite. And then Neil Robertson, Wu Yizza. Now, that's a repeat of a World Championship match, isn't it, from a few months ago, when I think we watched it in in the little garden area outside with our friend Gary Moss. It was that match, wasn't it? At the end of that, I think we saw Yeah, that's when he knocked in, didn't he, in back-to-back 146ers? Or was it two in three frames or something? Uh, it, was, it was when he, he made some mad breaks in the nil. He did. It was two in three, which I, annoyingly, I don't think anyone made that enough of. Everyone was just saying he got two in the match. I was like, well, surely two in three is the line. But I sort of half gave up and everyone just sort of seemed to just think <laughs> the match was OK. But I thought it was batting that he did two in three frames. And what well, it strikes me, you know, that Neil, long way to go, a lot of tournaments left, hasn't had his tournament win yet this year. So that long run... I can't think of the top of my head. It's about 06, something like that. Mm, 06, 07. It's a hell of a long time. He hasn't quite rec- got, got that on the board yet and didn't have by his, by his standards a very top season last time. Had a lot of bad luck, actually. Various illnesses, things that didn't really work in his favour. You know, he could easily go and win this. <laughs> He's that good. But say he hasn't, he hasn't got his 2023 one on the board yet. Uh, as for round two in the evening session... Uh, Jose Mafia against Alan Taylor. Uh, Ricky Walden, Jamie Jones. Uh, cracking match that could be, actually. Mm. Uh, Jack Lasowski, Michael White. Uh, nice one to look forward to as well. Uh, Lasowski's had the better of their meetings, actually, including a 4-0 win at last year's Welsh Open. And Joe O'Connor against Ashley Carty. So, again, g- good old selection there. And uh, we look forward to, you know, all those matches. But yeah, Wu Yizza didn't actually play very badly, did he, in that match in Sheffield? He played all right. He might have won some of the matches, but Neil just did that classic thing. We thought, God, he's... Well, actually, no, in fairness, I think we we did identify the nuance. Certainly some of our listeners did by saying he probably peaked too early. And I remember saying at the time, with some players, top players, that would seem quite rude. With Neil, might be on the money. And again, it did prove that way. Yeah, and... I think Wu plays a very sort of open attacking game, which um, suits suits Neil hands down. He suits most players really, but Neil's the kind of player who will jump all over that, uh, and then he ends up losing to Jack Jones, who doesn't necessarily play such a open attacking game. But yeah, considering it, Neil won that game ten three, um, but Wu didn't come away sort of uh, with anything but credit. Really, he looked good. Neil was just looking extremely good, um, and and. Yeah, over a shorter format, Wu's dangerous against anyone. He's certainly one of the, the rising stars of the game. And he, I mean, he qualified. That was his debut at the Crucible, um, beating Chris Wakelin. Um, oh, yes. So, yeah, and we know, you know how confident and um, uh, Chris was feeling at the time, playing very well. So, yeah, Wu's a danger. But as you say, Neil, um, from the shortest format to the longest format, no one's surprised if he walks away with a trophy and... Uh, 
Yeah, it seems it is 2006. It goes back to so it would be, it would be a horrible bit of an end of history if it went. I mean, it's going to come to an end at some point, but uh, I don't think it's just yet. Does it? His his run of trophies in a in a year doesn't feel like it's ready to end just yet. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it at all. It looks like it could be another half decade at, <laughs> at least. He's he's that good, but yeah, he was a bit disappointing last year. It was funny, was it? Was it the start? Maybe the whole season, but certainly the start of it where. That first half, where he kept looking like the best player in the tournament until about mm. the quarterfinals. Oh, Neil's going to win this. I mean, no, no one's playing as well as him. And then he'd, he'd chuck in a sort of funny, erratic kind of performance and not be anywhere like his best in, in like, I think, a couple of semis, maybe even three semis, something like that. It was kind of weird. But listen, we hold these guys to such incredible standards. We expect them to be machines and mm. winning tournaments left, right and centre. You can't always do that. But yeah, interesting matches there. And then on to the, the play the following day, next Wednesday, some round two uh, matches there. David Gilbert against Rianne Evans. Have a look there. They last played at Q School 12 years ago, Phil. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Stuart Bingham's got Xiao Gudong, uh, which I, I, the only thing I've written down there is I don't think either will be particularly happy with that. That's uh, that's a bit oh, of a stinker. Sure. Yeah. That's a stinker both ways, really. Knock on Sankham's got Mark Davis. Uh, it's Zach Shirty against Jiang John. We mentioned Shirty, didn't we? He had that fine 5-3 win over Ryan Day in mm. qualifying. Uh, it's Robbie Williams playing Jung Su. Uh, ben Mertens has got Sanderson Lam, who you mentioned in that nice interview on WST. It's Ali Carter against Ashley Hugill. Two friends of this podcast, Phil, uh, and I think both mentioned in this episode already, Anthony Hamilton against Louis Heathcote. And then Mark Williams, Matthew Stevens, 23 years on uh, from their famous world final of the year 2000. What a final that was. And then we've got Barry Hawkins, James Cahill. I mean, roll up, roll up, Phil. I mean, you don't, we, don't need, we don't need to sell this, do we? It's just, it's just riches every day. And then, of course, we're getting into the either wars by then, so we're into getting even more advanced in the tournaments. There'll be some other really good round two matches. I think even round three matches starting that day. So it's just going to be mouth-watering stuff. We'll be glued to the screen. Yeah, that's my birthday, Wednesday, the 23rd of August. I'll be celebrating my, uh, my birthday. So there's some nice treats in there, isn't there? Yeah, Williams and Stevens jumps off the page, isn't it? And uh, I, I did look at when they first played. I don't know if you looked, if you did. I didn't. I didn't. But I tell you what, I'm determined. It can't be that far behind. Ninety-seven. Oh, is Van right? Yes. <laughs> I I have just given the probably the loudest shout and the widest arms since I did the blue ball challenge at the Mastersville, which you may remember I did the first time. Do remember, yeah, yeah. They played twice in '97, and Stevens won them both at the Grand Prix and the UK Championship. Um, so yeah, they go like they go a long way back those two. And uh, um, I mean, Mark's a heavy favourite these days, isn't he, for that contest? But uh, it'll be an attractive one for sure. And yeah, that Heathcote Hamilton match is is a nice looking one as well. So yeah, and then we're getting into we're getting into the business end from there on in. But um, yeah. Uh, not sure how much Snoop I'll be watching my birthday. I think I've got a surprise planned from my better half. So uh, I doubt she'll have surprised me with, you can sit on the sofa watching the European Masters for all day. But we'll see. Maybe she has. <laughs> I had visions of you having a cake, maybe one of those little sort of cupcakes with a candle on and <laughs> settling down from Bobby Williams' Pan Jung Su. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can see it, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'd be delighted with it. To be fair, she really would know me well if that was the, if that was my presence. <laughs> Many happy returns, uh, sir. Now, all that you see that now we're getting some history. I think I tied in that 
picture or no, not picture that video of, of Heckler on your oh, birthday because yeah. I was saying I was too tight to get you a present. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, so, so oh, that's brilliant stuff. Yeah, so, this tournament was that same time because this was around that time that we went. It's all starting to make a bit of sense, Phil. <laughs> we're, we're going in strange circles all the time with this podcast. But yeah, I tell you what, um, though, just to say again, brilliant tournament. You know, it really is. This is a this is you know mouth watering stuff. It, it, you know, all the stars, all the time, on the telly. This is what you know we're snooker fans for. And I, I know I've seen a sort of three or four people in recent days saying just can't wait. You know, we've had a bit of the phony war, the Championship League qualifying, but we've got some more qualifiers coming up. I know they'll you know be good as maybe a starter, but you cannot beat these proper tournaments. And we all have to say, best of luck to all those in Nuremberg staging the tournament and get a program because there's a picture of us two in it as well. So, yeah, so, yeah. Don't let that put you off your cornflakes. <laughs> yeah, we don't know about uh, what New Orleans is going to be like as a venue and the crowd. Uh, obviously, we know Berlin's amazing. Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully New Orleans will uh, turn up for it as well because, uh, yeah, there's some great stuff to look forward to there. Um, and, yeah, now relishing it, really, um, because it just feels, you know, the season started at the start of the Championship League, technically, doesn't it? But it's a slow and steady build-up and... This is the real start, I guess, when that gets going. So, uh, yeah, we can't wait. Absolutely. Very much so. And we look forward to the tournament. As I say, all the best for everybody involved, especially with the organising. We're sure it'll be going to be a, a smashing week. We really enjoy tuning in. You are listening here to Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. And, Phil, we are recording a little bit early. So what we're going to do is reflect in detail on the US Women's Open in Seattle next time. But it is underway as we record. And I certainly watched uh, bits and pieces of it on the stream from there. That club's looking as terrific as ever. And so far, I think it's fair to say the biggest names are proving why they are the biggest names. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I've, I've watched a bit on the YouTube from uh, Oxbillids in uh, Seattle. Uh, our friend David Burney on commentary doing an excellent job yeah. as ever. Always looking sharp as well. Occasionally cut to the commentary box and he's in in the full three-piece suit. It looks, it looks excellent. Um, but yeah, and the group, we're recording uh, as the group stage is just coming to an end. And uh, I suppose the four names you'd expect are about to get through uh, as the top, at the top of their groups, which is Mink, uh, Onye, Rebecca Kenner and Jamie Hunter. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this more when we, when we next speak, but. If it's not one of those four that's lifted the trophy, I'll be quite surprised. Yeah, this is more like Wurzel Gummidge here, isn't it, compared to the elegance of, of, of the, uh, the sights there over in Seattle. We enjoyed meeting our friend, didn't we, in Sheffield? We'll have to get him on here one day. He, he, he's great value. And this tournament, you can just see going from strength to strength. It just looks the part there, doesn't it? And I've been really impressed by the stream, actually. Every time I've, I've tuned mm. in, it's looked lovely. It's nice to hear those voices. And as ever with the game, it's just good company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they tell they tell interesting stories. You hear from people you wouldn't normally hear of. Hear from um, David gets people to come and chat with him in the commentary booth. Um, and there's been some good stuff. Arn, you made a one-two-one clearance the, um, the other day, which is very nice. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, it looks great. And it's just you know it's a long way, so it's, it doesn't get massive participation but as I said those four players that um, are expected to be challenging for the trophy are very good so uh, yeah no it's uh, it's as you say nice, definitely nice company on the old YouTube stream there 
yeah, it just makes all the difference being able to see. I know it sounds obvious, but, you know, it's all right following scoring and reading reports, but being able to see the action is absolutely priceless. And we're really enjoying doing so. As I say, we'll reflect on, on the climax in full when, when we're with you next time. Phil, we talk about tournaments coming thick and fast. Of course, the return proper to China is just around the corner in Shanghai. And we've had another tournament draw, haven't we? Yeah, and... Uh... Big names, obviously. It's twenty-four man, so uh, there's, well, there's four wild cards yet to be announced. Um, so let me get the it's, it's the top sixteen plus the top ne- the next four highest ranked Chinese players and four wild cards, uh, which are going to be announced on the nineteenth of August after a CBSA under twenty-one event. Um, so it's a few either ors, um, but the matches we know. Straight away in the first round, Jack Lasowski against Zhou Yulong, the winner to play Judd Trump. Uh, Gary Wilson against Fang Zheng Yi, the winner to play Mark Allen. Uh, Ding Junhui against Xi Jiahui, the winner to play Neil Robertson. Oh, Not bad, that is it. Not bad at all. Yell. And Mark Williams against Pang Junzu, the winner to play Luke Purcell. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is high-level stuff. <laughs> Goes without saying. Um, Ron Neal play the winner of Ali Carter against one of the wild cards. Selby's playing the winner of a same for five against one of the wild cards. Um, so, yeah, lots of good stuff to look forward to there. Huge money uh, event, 210 grand the winner, 105 grand for the runner-up. Um, so, yeah, big stuff. And uh, everyone involved will be delighted that that tournament is back on the calendar. Yeah, I'm not one of the one of the world's great early morning operators, but it, it, if that's an early one, I'll be up for Ding Jun Wee, see Chuai He. Oh, heavens above. That is a, a meeting of uh, not quite... No, it's one of those, I'm about to say, very different eras, but of course they're not. It's just, you know, it just seems like Ding, we've said this before, is so much older than he is because he's been around, but mm-hmm. meeting of players that have made their mark in, 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 in different snooker eras, let's just say that. And that, as I say, we really look forward to that and some some cracking matches to come. And it, it sounds silly, but it's been a while since we've had that experience here in the UK and in Europe of of watching events over there. So there's it's something very different, isn't there, about snooker over breakfast, snooker in the morning, and the sort of evening session being lunchtime. It might seem like not, not that different, but it kind of is. And I love those rhythms. I've, I've really missed that over the last few years. I can't wait to get into that sort of, you know, when I'm off to work in the afternoon and just following the, the matches at kind of different times. It just, it, it's a nice sort of different rhythm, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think the the most recent one that stands out to me was the Six Reds in Thailand not too long ago, which, um, yeah, that's a different sort of format and it was a very unusual compared to a lot of times. But that was the first time for a while that I felt that, you know, I was, yeah, watching it with my Weetabix. And I agree, it's, it's nice to throw things in a bit differently because we, we are very spoiled here, like, we get a lot of international listeners, and uh, believe me, we we do know that we're very spoiled in the UK uh, with when we get to watch snooker. So uh, uh, it's it's nice for people in other countries to get it at different times, but it's nice for us as well just to mix things up as well. So yeah, I agree. It's, that's something to look forward to. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, we haven't seen much of Ronnie for some time, have we? But uh, if there's one tournament he'll be confident in, it's the Shanghai Masters because he's won the last three versions of it. Um, that's the kind of event he does well, isn't it? Turn yeah. up, very well looked after, nice place, yeah, big totally. money. Um, yeah. It's right up his street. Yeah, totally. It was no surprise when he won that big event in Hong Kong, was it, really? No, 
Yeah, that, that's that's pure Ronnie. That and he's that's one of the champion of champions and things like that. Yeah, you're right. That those big. It's why he's won the Masters so many times. Funny enough, he's made noises about not liking the Masters, doesn't he? And he finds it all a bit much there. But um, he's never surprised me. He does well. Those sort of, as you say, big high stakes, all the attention on the stars type events. He tends to sort of just shine at those. Maybe we should move on to any other business, Phil. Just to say, we're going to save up our correspondence now for our next Your Views episode in September. So do keep it coming, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. I think it's when we preview Shanghai the week after when Shanghai is getting underway. I think that could be a good slot, actually, for the next Your Views. But there is one exception, Phil. We've had an email here from Thomas Barton. Bartley, that we would like to read out. Thank you, Thomas, for contacting us. Hello, Nick and Phil. I hope you are both well. Thank you for keeping us well sated with great content over these more empty summer months. I hope you'll forgive me for using the podcast for a bit of self-promotion. But on Friday, 15th of September, I am delivering an online talk about the birth of the World Snooker Championship. The talk is part of Birmingham Heritage Week and look specifically at the city's role in helping to launch the event. It is free to event to, to, to attend sorry, and takes place at 12pm midday. I've enclosed a link here, although if listeners search for Birmingham and the birth of the World Snooker Championship, they will be able to find it. I also hope to record the talk for anyone unable to attend at the time. It would be great to have some snooker fans at the talk, as well as those interested in Birmingham's history. Thanks, Thomas. So we really wish you well for that. Uh, uh, that's Thomas Bartley there. And I'm sure the talk will be fascinating. And, you know, it, it reminded me a little bit of, of, of David Hendon, actually, who did that very poignant episode, I think, of Snooker Seam. I think it was last year, wasn't it, when he went, went around Birmingham. And it, there's a lot of history in that city, you know, in terms of not just the first World Championships, but the, the one Alex Higgins won in 72, and there's just loads, actually. So it's it's particularly special, I think, that it's part of that city that this talk is taking place in. And we wish you so well with it. And I think, I I know you mentioned off air, you might be otherwise sporting engaged that, that day. I'm not sure what I'm doing, actually. But if you do record it, then either way, we'll be able to catch up afterwards. And I know many snooker fans will be interested in this because I've heard many judges say, in this sport, many great pundits, we've got to protect our history. It's always the strongest in this sport. What we do have, we must sort of guard. Yeah, and as you say, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I think I went Lords that day watching England in a one day. So, um, yeah, one of my pals is a, is a member at the MCC. So I've got to cash in when that offer comes up. It doesn't come up very often to go and sit in the members section at Lords, so I've got to take sure. it. But, um, but yeah, I'll be watching it on record if that is available, though, because as you say, it sounds very interesting. England, England against who? New Zealand, I believe. Okay, about to say. <laughs> You're not that type. I was about to say, d- d- don't do what those bloody men did against Australia in that test match and start honouring. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was awful. I know you're not that type. Of course you're not. But, yeah, we wish you luck with that. And, yeah, we did put the, the link actually on our Twitter feed uh, a few days ago. But if you do look up, as Thomas says, Birmingham and the birth of the World Snooker Championship into a search engine, it will take you to more details. Now, Phil, if I said to you I could turn back time, what would your reaction be? Well, I've seen it done, and I've been very impressed with your skills of turning back time recently, actually. 
It's obviously not possible. I can't do that. But <laughs> just in a sort of in a small way, we have been turning back time on our Twitter feed, haven't we? With some cracking uh, nostalgia photos, which seem to be going down well. The recent one of the 1982 World Championship uh, that comes to mind, and one of Steve Davis spraying the champagne, the Len Ganley. Uh, trying to avoid it after he won the world title in 87. We're going to carry on doing that, maybe not too much. We don't want to detract from the excellent sites that do it already, but maybe we'll do it more sparingly going into the autumn. But we do like that that nostalgia element. I think Clive Everson said that nostalgia is, is best enjoyed in, in small doses, and that's probably about right, Phil. Got to keep it into its proper perspective and levels. But, yeah, I, I personally, I've never hidden the fact that I love Snooker nostalgia, some wonderful photos, and a, quite a nerdy one that, that I and we put up of, of Joe Johnson in '87, the year that I think it was a sponsorship reason that, that that the backdrop of the Crucible went blue. Very unusual. Still looks so weird to see it because we we just weren't used to it. But those pictures from the '80s, uh, uh, you know, and '90s, and back in the past are, are priceless. So we'll, we'll carry on doing that. And uh, Jimmy White in a car recently, which always goes down well. <laughs> Yeah, well, they, they are fascinating because it's not just the sport. You see the fashions, that you know, the hairstyles. Look at the crowd. I always find interesting how smartly dressed the crowds are in the past. And, uh, yeah, those those globes are so iconic that were in the set at the, at the Crucible. I'd love to know where, though, if those globes are still somewhere. Are they in a, in a lockup somewhere? Because uh, there'd be quite a lot of Stuka fans who wouldn't mind having them if they could find somewhere for it in the house. I'm not sure where it would go, but uh, what a piece of memorabilia that would be. I'm old enough to remember. I think Terry Griffiths not won over during the final. I'm pretty sure the one he played against Steve, he lost heavily. I seem to recall that in the, in the back in the mist of time. Well, we should say our special John Higgins episode of a month ago, Phil, has now reached another landmark, 6,000 downloads. Brilliant news. Thank you so much uh, for continuing to tune in. Also now approaching 11,000 listeners on Apple devices. We never know numbers like it, so we really do. Very much appreciate it. And Phil, we are top of the pops again. Costa Rica last time, this time Moldova. Now, I think, I think, I think there's something about it, isn't there? There's something about this podcast. It, Costa Rica and Moldova sort of sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> it fits. It fits somehow. Yeah, I've never been to either, but I would love to visit both. So uh, that sounds like a good excuse to me to... To, to get on a plane to um, well, either east or west. And I'm, I'm, I'm easy either way. Probably Costa Rica springs to mind as a more obvious holiday <laughs> destination, but I'm happy to go to Moldova as well. I can confirm it's more of a holiday destination, but we are, um, yeah, potentially big big news now in Chisinau. So, you know, if we ever find ourselves... What I'm saying is, if we are in Chisinau, we won't need to buy a drink. Because the locals will be, you know, only happy, only too happy to do so. We are really pleased. Though. I mean, in a serious note, to be number one in anything is, is, is outrageous. Really, you know, we, there's so many strong sporting podcasts, whichever country you go to and listen, you know. So we really are grateful. And I say the John Higgins one, the company we were keeping, like in the UK charts, the Ireland charts, was was outrageous. Like Gary Neville, Steve Bunce, shows in the Athletic the James Richardson show on there. So, you know, we really are grateful. And, you know, thank you so much for your continuing uh, support. And Phil, I should say that I'm actually not here next week. So we're going to be back, aren't we, in two weeks' time 
On the August bank holiday here in the UK, I know it might not be bank holiday where, where you are, but it's the last Monday of the month, Monday the 28th of August, and that will end our summer season. And, of course, the main focus then, Phil, will be to reflect on what we know will be a smashing week of action at the European Masters. Maybe we should finish by talking again about what's coming up. The qualifiers first for the British Open and then that big tournament in Nuremberg. They're going to be absolutely cracking. We really do hope everyone enjoys them. And uh, I know you'll be doing loads of great reporting during it, as always. And uh, the only thing I won't do is ask you to predict a winner because Nostradamus would struggle to predict a tournament winner these days. Snooker's so strong. Yeah, and as you said, the European Masters is is a especially tricky one. These early season ones, don't know where to go with it, really. So we'll see. I'm actually on holiday during the week of the European Masters, so don't expect too much reporting from me there, but I'll certainly be following it and tweeting about it. So keep an eye on that, as ever. Um, any other business from me? There are a couple of shout-outs. Um, Michael Holt on the Stephen Hendry YouTube channel this week. Thought was excellent, very interesting stuff. Talking about his coaching and... Uh, yeah, sometimes they play sort of just about get through one frame in that. But Michael Holt was break building beautifully as he was talking about his his coaching stuff, knocking in some great breaks. That was great. And also, I mentioned Dave Hendon's chat with Ray Reardon. I thought it was brilliant. Um, Ray's just a great vo- voice to hear from, uh, 90 years old and uh, looking and sounding great. Um, and I don't think we've actually mentioned it yet. On the, the British Podcast Awards, the listeners... Uh, vote, I think it's called, Listener's Choice Vote. You can vote for any podcast you want on there, and we're very much available to vote for. So, I mean, there's no chance of us winning because we are really, there's like some real behemoths in there. But if you want to vote for us, that'd be nice. Um, so, yeah, I think that's about it from me. Well, you're being a bit coy. Of course, you should be congratulated because we know that Snookered is up for a bloody award, isn't it? I can't believe it. I mean... It... Yeah, I mean, that is, that is quite mad, really. Um but yeah, that was shortlisted for an award. But um, but yeah, but you could vote for Talking Snooker on the Listener's Choice Award. This is still your favourite podcast, isn't it, Phil? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I think I think Snooker got a bit. Uh, it's a bit lucky that it got that because being like a a limited series, you know, you th- we had some great interviews on that. But it's only ten episodes. Like if you had to do that over a year, you couldn't keep that up. So I think it was a bit jammy that that got in there, but but also lovely to be associated with. It was a lot of fun and uh, great. Just great to see a snooker podcast on there. It's only six podcasts on there and sports awards. So lovely to see any snooker podcast on there. So uh, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. You know what? The words that will never be associated with this podcast is limited series. I mean, yeah. <laughs> limited anything is never going to be. This is quite by our standards, quite shocking. Done about an hour, Phil. That's almost like a, a bite-sized throwaway kind of episode. But I feel a bit guilty. I've been telling you so much about my holiday plans. I'm off away. Uh, I, I, I do hesitate a bit to say I'm going where I'm going now because I've got dreadful visions of one of our fans sort of writing, oh, you, you need to go to this snooker tournament then because, because I'm a bit of a completist. I'll be tearing around. And, um, you know, I've got, well, the f- FOMO as well. I had FOMO before it was fashionable, Phil. So if I hear about something <laughs> that's go- going on, I'll have to be there. I actually, I'm going to the Faroe Islands, but I don't know where you're going. So maybe, or do you want to keep it secret? Where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. I've just got some time off. Oh, um, bloody I've just yeah. got some holiday to use up. So I'm getting away for my birthday somewhere. That's a surprise. Um, I've got some friends visiting for a couple of days. Then I'm going to London for a couple of days. So yeah, n- nothing wild, but uh, just got some time off work. 
I don't feel so bad now. I, I thought there was some big holiday you were doing that I didn't know about. All, all, all was well and good. <laughs> we should go, shouldn't we? And, and uh, thank you ever so much for your company. And uh, Bill, you, you, as ever, been, you've been a d- delight to be with. Enjoy the snooker. Enjoy your birthday. We'll be back at, at the end of the month to review the European Masters. And uh, as I say, it's going to be a, a smashing event to look forward to. In Germany, we, you know, we're from the UK, but we're we're not going to say we're you know we're we're tired of UK tournaments. They're great, but you know we're, we're happy that events are being played elsewhere, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's just nice to see different backdrops. Uh, hear different. The crowds are different wherever you go, isn't it? It's just nice to hear the different nuances. And obviously, if you're there, anyone anyone listening who's going there, I think we know some people who might be going. So uh, let us know. Good, bad, indifferent. Um, all the feedback you can get us to from uh, from Nuremberg would be great to hear. And uh, thanks for listening as always. Totally right. You're our eyes and ears out there. So if you're going to the tournament, do let us know. Talkysnooker at yahoo.com or, or tweet us at Snooker. Lots of other great sport, of course, Phil. I just went to the Challenge Cup final. I was telling you about that before we came on there. What, what a brilliant uh, match that was uh, with dramatic Lee winning their first Challenge Cup for more than half a century. Women's World Cup continues. England still going strong, Phil. Mm. Australia of England. Is that, a, is that a sporting rivalry? I think it might be. Uh, they're, they're <laughs> on Wednesday in Sydney, what 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 a, what a, a match that promises to be. That will certainly cause a, a stir here in the UK and no doubt in Australia too. Lots of cycling. The people have been enjoying the World Championships in Glasgow. So loads of great sport, but we're pleased to say that the great sport now includes our beloved snooker, because we'll be back <laughs> again with, in, in, in big tournament form in terms of the European Masters. For now, though, Phil, I do say, I salute you and say farewell, sir. Yeah, pleasure as always. And actually, I'm going to, if you can call it sport, by, by the time we next uh, convene, I'll, be, I'll have just been to Wembley to watch the wrestling at AEW All In, the biggest wrestling show ever. Um, going to be 80,000 people there, so I'll report back with that. Greetings, grapple fans. That's what. That's one. That, that's one for the teenagers to leave everyone with. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. Enjoy the feast of snooker to come uh, over the next couple of weeks, everybody. And thank you as ever for your company here on Talking Snooker from Phil and myself. Cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network.